Welcome to the Statesman Journal's Explore Oregon podcast. I'm your host, Zachary Ness, and in each episode, we highlight Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places. In today's show, we're returning to winter waterfall hunting and posting an old show that breaks down the very best places to ski or snowshoe to snow-covered cascades. We've got a big dump of low-elevation snow headed for the mountains next week, And it might very well be the last prime time to bag some snow-covered waterfalls. Before we get rolling, I want to highlight the sponsors of this podcast that make it possible for us to hire and pay our outdoor journalism interns every spring, summer, and fall. Our first sponsor is the American Forest Resource Council, supporting responsible forestry on public lands throughout the Pacific Northwest. Learn more at amforest.org. We're also supported by Visit Tillamook Coast, a land of ocean and forest just an hour from the Willamette Valley that this spring will offer special volunteer vacations designed for visitors to spend a day doing a stewardship project and another headed out on a Tillamook Coast adventure. We'll have more details on this a little bit later in the show. Finally, we're brought to you by the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department. That reminds visitors to leave no trace and buy local firewood when camping at state parks to limit the spread of invasive insects. Okay, let's head out for some winter waterfall hunting all across western Oregon. But first, here's some guitar music to get us rolling. All right, so today I'm going to repost an episode that we originally recorded four years ago about my favorite thing to do during the year's coldest months, and that is winter waterfall hunting. We talked a little bit about it on the last podcast, but I just decided to do this because we have a great dump of low elevation snowfall forecast for Oregon's Cascade Mountains beginning Sunday night and lasting all of next week. Low elevation snow is what makes winter waterfall hunting truly magical. And with the forecast calling for two to four feet of snow between 2,000 and 4,000 feet, I don't think there'll be a better time for the rest of the year to get out and do it. So unlike the last episode that only featured Paulina Creek Falls, this features a whole slug of different winter waterfall adventures, including a lot of places you might have heard of and some that you probably haven't. I don't think there's a whole lot of other context needed other than to say the person you'll hear me talking with is former producer and co-host David Davis. David moved on to greener pastures working for the state of Oregon a few years ago, but I still miss him and his voice on this podcast every time I hit record. So one other kind of funny note I'd point out here before we get rolling is that I've been told I mispronounce Tumalo Falls, the waterfall over in central Oregon in this episode. So for a long time, I called it Tumalo Falls. And then some people yelled at me and said, no, it's Tumalo Falls. At this point, I'm honestly not sure which one it is. So if you can tell me 100% which one it is, feel free to shoot me a note or give me a holler. Anyway, here we go with the podcast from about four years ago that I hope will stoke your imagination for this upcoming dump of snow. (music) 
All right, David. So today we are talking about one of my favorite twists on winter recreation, an activity that I have personally dubbed winter waterfall hunting. Now, basically, this means snowshoeing or cross-country skiing to waterfalls covered in snow and ice. Pretty simple during the year's coldest months. This has become kind of a weird obsession for me, going back more than a decade. Now, you've been on a winter waterfall hunting expedition with me before. What did you think? I mean, do you do you get the appeal? Sure. I mean, like anything else during the winter, it sort of ratchets up the difficulty a bit and sort of requires some more planning. But the results are kind of always like a very different experience that you get during the summer. Yeah. I Honestly, personally, I'm kind of lukewarm on snowshoeing in general. But waterfall hunting kind of gives it a new payoff. You know, you experience this familiar site in a much different way. Very the good. snow kind of covers the contours of the land and fades back a lot of the plant detail you usually get. And so you really sort of see this familiar, you know, shape in a different way. Yeah. So, okay, let's go ahead and get to the root of this. What started <laughs> you down this kind of dangerous path of mad waterfall craving? I've tried to figure that out recently because I've been kind of obsessed by this for a long time now. Like, this isn't just a dalliance. This has, like, been going on for a while. The best explanation I have is that, like, I really enjoy seeing every form of H2O in one place. Like, there's ice, snow, water, and mist kind of, like, all combining together and it just like activates this dopamine center in my brain that just makes me really happy. There's a a freshness to a snowy waterfall that kind of like knocks the cobwebs out of your brain. It's just really invigorating. I enjoy it so much that I actually watch the weather fairly carefully to see where the fresh snow is falling, like the the snow level, just to see, you know, when the best winter waterfalls are going to be like in prime condition. Yeah. And this brings up sort of an important distinction we should get out of the way. For example, Silver Falls State Park occasionally gets some, you know, low elevation snow during an ice or cold snap, but it's pretty rare and not really what we're talking about here. In this episode, we're going to feature eight waterfalls that are high enough in the Cascade Mountains to get significant snowfall just about every year. Ideally, those which you would need snowshoes or skis to reach. This doesn't always work out given some of our warmer winters recently, but in general, these waterfalls get snow, you know, multiple times each season. Yeah, it's kind of a matter of just, again, watching that snow level. And that adds kind of like some fun to it because some of these are right around 3,000 feet, which is like right on the edge. And so you're kind of rooting for that lower elevation snow. And when it happens, you're like, oh, great, you know, now it's time to hit the road. You sort of watch the yo-yo as it kind of comes up and down. Exactly. And real quick, before we start listing our favorite trips, quick note on safety and planning. These trips are going to take you into snowy areas. So make sure your car is prepared with traction tires or chains. Make sure you're educated on winter backcountry travel. Do a quick Google search for the 10 winter essentials. Now, none of the places we're going to feature are too crazy. They're all accessed from highways that get plowed in winter. But for any backcountry trip, the consequences of something going wrong are just much higher. So pays to be well prepared. Well, we are going to start off with a waterfall in the southern half of the state, Watson Falls. It's located in the North Umpqua Canyon between Roseburg and Diamond Lake, right off Highway 138. At 272 feet, Watson is one of the tallest waterfalls in Oregon and also pretty easy to reach on a one-mile hike right off the highway. Yeah, you're going to need a nice low elevation snow because Watson sits at around 3,100 feet and doesn't get as much snow as some of the others we'll talk about. 
but it does happen a few times each winter, and the good news is you can really make a pretty good trip out of it. The North Umpqua Canyon is packed with waterfalls right off Highway 138. The area even features snowy hot springs that you can travel to. But all right, why should we start off with Watson? I had to go with Watson first because it was actually the place that inspired this idea of seeking out waterfalls in the snow. So years ago, some friends were visiting Crater Lake National Park when, as often happens, a winter storm rolled in and you couldn't see the lake anymore, which is a bummer because they'd come a long way to see it. So I had to come up with a backup plan and decided to pick uh, Watson Falls. So drove out there on Highway 138, snowing pretty hard at the time, so we just parked on the side of the highway, headed out to the trail. And so we're heading up the trail, and then all of a sudden Watson Falls just appears through the, the snow and mist. It's this giant frozen rope of a waterfall just surrounded by white trees. It was a magical moment, but it also illustrates one thing I like about winter waterfalls, and that's on these snowy, overcast days with limited visibility where you can't see mountains or lakes, the waterfalls are always there. You don't need that perfect bluebird day. In fact, it's more fun to find the waterfalls when it's like blowing snow sideways. Okay, for the next one, we're going to ramp up the challenge a little bit. Yeah, up next we've got Proxy Falls, which is east of Eugene in the Three Sisters Wilderness. Now, another common theme with winter waterfalls is that they start out as a popular summer hiking trail that becomes a lot more of an adventure in the winter. That is definitely true at Proxy. Yeah, the twist with Proxy Falls is that while it's located right off McKenzie Pass Highway 242, that stretch of the highway is closed and not plowed during winter. So you have to park at the winter gate down below and follow the snow-covered highway for 2.6 miles just to reach the summer trailhead. Then it requires some work to kind of navigate the trails to eventually find the waterfalls in the snow. Yeah, Proxy is an adventure for sure, but keep in mind we're talking about two of Oregon's most scenic and most photographed waterfalls in Upper and Lower Proxy Falls. In the snow, they really are stunners. One of my favorite pictures of all time was Upper Proxy Falls. If you've ever been there, you can kind of visualize it, the ethereal like waterfall kind of rolling down the basalt. But in the winter, you can get real close to it, and there'll be giant icicles up there. And so you have a combination of snow, icicles, like a little bit of water dripping down, even a little green in the background. And all that taken together creates just this dynamic scene. And that's, uh, that's an upside of winter waterfalls. They're really good for photographers. Like, it's just it offers something new and different and kind of messes with people's, like, expectations. So given the distance and terrain, how would you choose your weapon? Snowshoes or skis? Skis obviously make a little more sense when you're going faster on the smooth highway, but then they'd be a little tough once they get to the actual trail. This is one of the toughest choices that I faced on the proxy trip because seven miles is a fairly long way, especially when you're, you're breaking trail. You know, I would have loved to ski, but snowshoes are definitely what you'll need once you get onto the official trail. Like, I suppose you could ski up there, stash them, and put on snowshoes if you want to carry all that. Don't think there's a perfect answer. Yeah, another thing to keep in mind is that you're going to run into kind of some variable sort of snowfall. Proxy Falls sits at 3,300 feet, which gets, you know, a decent amount of snow. But then at the gate, which is actually quite low down the highway at 2,100 feet, you might encounter not really much snow at all. Yeah, for sure. There's times when you'll start out on bare ground and then like just gradually like pick up snow because between 
you know, 2,000 and 3,300 feet, like there's just a wide variation. That's like right in that prime spot where it could be rain or could be snow. So one of the issues with that is that you'll often get this really heavy snow. And actually on my trip, I sort of hurt my knee because the first few miles, the snow was so wet and heavy that it was like cement and it would attach to my snowshoe and like weigh down every step. And that's the hazard you get with winter waterfall hunting because a lot of these waterfalls, again, sit at these mid elevations and you have this snow that's just you know, it's not powdery soft. It's often very cement-like. All right. For our next waterfall, we're going to change it up and head over the mountain to what might be one of the most famous winter waterfalls, or at least one of the most commonly visited. Yeah. Up next, we are going to talk about Tumalo Falls, which is just outside of Bend. Now, a lot of the winter waterfalls we're talking about here are kind of hidden away in the winter, like in hibernation, so to speak. Tumalo Falls, that is not the case. It gets a ton of visitors from Central Oregon's winter recreation crowds. One of the reasons I like it is that it's a little higher in elevation, almost around 5,000 feet, typically has better snow conditions. It's also a really good one to cross-country ski to, since we've been a little heavy on snowshoes so far. For those that haven't done this trip, it's just west of Bend. Basically, you drive from the city down Skyliners Road until you hit a winter gate. You find a parking spot and start skiing down the road. Another option starts at Skyliner Snow Park, which has a little more parking where you can pick up kind of a more challenging trail into Tumalo Creek. Like anywhere out there, I'd start early uh, just to make sure you get a good parking spot. But I visited Bend with my parents a few years ago and we just skied the road. You know, it's 2.5 miles one way, five miles round trip to reach Tumalo Falls. The road is pretty scenic and it's got, you know, these kind of fun rolling hills that make it pretty fun to cross country ski down. You know, you get to slide down and then, you know, climb your way up the next one. I'd say it's still easy enough for beginners. There's just a lot of space, good tracks. And at the end of the road, you cross a little bridge and then bam, right there, 89 foot Tumalo Falls. Tumalo Falls is one of those waterfalls it feels like everyone that visits Bend has probably seen. It's a place they often direct tourists to in the summer. But it is a cool waterfall, and the forest is a lot different than what we see on the west side. Very open, ponderosa forest, a lot more sunshine. Yeah, if you're a talented skier, and you've, uh, or if you've carried snowshoes, you can actually head above Tumalo Falls onto North Fork Trail, find a bunch more winter waterfalls. I haven't actually done that, but there are a bunch of them just upstream. All right, so we're going to take a quick break, but when we return, we'll highlight the best overall winter waterfall trips in Oregon. I'm Andy Geisler. I'm a forester at the American Forest Resource Council, and we're proud to sponsor the Explore Oregon podcast. Like you, I love the outdoors. On many days, the forest is my office. I work on the ground with public lands agencies on good forest management projects. Forest management helps achieve important conservation goals while providing sustainable timber. Science-based forestry helps improve wildlife habitat, outdoor recreation, clean air and water, and it's essential to providing renewable, climate-friendly wood products. Learn more about us at amforest.org. This message is brought to you by Visit Tillamook Coast. The Tillamook Coast Visitors Association is excited to bring back their Volunteer Adventures Program for 2024 that will welcome groups from inside or outside Tillamook County to lend a hand in stewardship programs while also having a good time. One example of an itinerary would be spending one day clearing invasive brush or working on a hiking trail. 
The next would include something like a guided hike or kayak trip, the type of activity that highlights the Tillamook area and shows why doing stewardship projects is so important. All meals, lodging, and activities are included. The program is designed to offer participants the opportunity to give back to our popular area while also learning the vital role stewardship plays in preserving our natural places. If you want more information or to sign up early, search for Tillamook Coast Volunteer Adventures or email danhag at dan at tillamacoast.com. Once again, that email is dan at tillamacoast, all one word, dot com. Our third and final sponsor is the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department that invites Oregonians to explore parks this fall and winter to experience the beauty of those seasons. If you're camping, remember to get firewood from sources local to your destination to avoid bringing invasive insects, such as the devastating emerald ash borer, into parks. This will help preserve the health of Oregon's forests for seasons to come. Learn more about protecting Oregon's ash trees at stateparks.oregon.gov. Okay, welcome back. Up next, we're going to detail another four winter waterfalls, including our picks for the best overall trip to a frozen falls. Let's get started with a place that is famous not only for waterfalls, but for also being in the iconic Hollywood blockbuster Homeward Bound, the 1990 story of some talking pets that become lost and then make this wild attempt to make their way home. <laughs> Don't ever make jokes about Homeward Bound. You're messing with my childhood It's, it's there. pretty near and dear to both of us. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> All right, so the place we are talking about here is Sahaley and Coosa Falls, two very well-known 100-foot waterfalls on the upper Mackenzie River. It's just south of Sanium Junction near Clear Lake. The route makes use of a pretty popular segment of the Mackenzie River Trail, which, again, this is one of those waterfalls that's very popular in summer and gets more of an adventure in the winter. There's kind of two ways to do this trip. Once you find a parking spot along Highway 126, it's easy to pop in for a quick view of Sahaley Falls, maybe walk down Acusa Falls. Even in the snow, there's usually an established snowshoe path. But there's a more adventurous trek. Yeah, the more challenging route is three miles, and it loops past both waterfalls twice, actually. So you cross a bridge onto the Mackenzie River Trail, which feels a lot more remote in the deep snow on the other side of the creek. So you follow that route, past the waterfalls a few more times, and then you come back on Carmen Reservoir Road to complete this loop. It follows a summer route, but it feels a lot different, and it can be challenging if you're breaking trail. There's no blue diamonds to follow. It can be steep. Again, it's not maintained for winter travel, so, you know, there's a lot going on out there. All right, so we did this trip uh, together. So what what did you think? So like I said at the top, this really this experience kind of drove home how snow turns the whole experience on its head. You know, in the summer, it's a pretty easy meander. It's not too far from the parking lot. In the winter, the snow kind of changes the scale of things. Mm-hmm. You know, you're a little bit higher up. You have kind of a different vantage point. The snow kind of mutes some of the details, lanking the whole thing in white and kind of bringing the relief of sort of the terrain out more. Mm-hmm. So it was just, you know, it's kind of a different experience. One thing that doesn't change from the summer is that Sahaley and Kusa are just really powerful waterfalls. I mean, the Mackenzie, 
doesn't freeze at all, and so they just blast with this power, but in the winter it changes, like there's so there's ice everywhere. The other thing I love, the color of the Mackenzian snow, I mean it's, it's famous for being a super clear, pristine stream, but in the winter it sticks out because you can really catch these amazing turquoise, dark blue colors in the water as it's accented by that white canvas. So as we mentioned in our podcast on winter adventures in San Diego and Willamette Pass, we're kind of repeating ourselves here, but yes, Sahaley Falls was featured in Homeward Bound. It's actually the waterfall that Sassy the Cat gets launched off of in the movie. You can actually find this clip on YouTube. I was really happy when I saw that clip because it was, again, one of my favorite movies as a kid. And you can really tell in the movie that it is Sahaley Falls because it is such a distinctive shape. It's that, that power at the top and kind of like fans out. Also from the clip, you can definitely tell that was not a real cat getting launched because no cat would survive that plummet 100%. You know what? Tell that to 10-year-old me because I'm pretty sure I wore out a VHS copy or two. And you thought that Sassy survived for sure. Who knows? Who knows? All right. Getting back to the point, you mentioned that there are some challenges about this trip with parking. Yeah. So again... It's not an official winter route, which means there is not an official snow park or established parking spot. You're kind of taking your chances with a couple of different places. The first one is a small little place on the side of Highway 126, which is right near the normal Sahaley Falls viewpoint. Now, normally you can fit one to three cars in there, so you kind of want to get there early. That's usually where I end up parking. The second one is, again, kind of a dice roll because it's on Carmen Reservoir Road, and that's the one that connects the, the loop together, basically, on the south end. And the road is, it's a Forest Service road, but it's often plowed because uh, there's an electrical station down there. But it's not always plowed. And also, if you do choose to do that, to turn onto Carmen Reservoir Road, make sure to park way on the side because there's going to be snow plows coming past. And if you mess with them, they might no longer let us use it. So just be a good neighbor, get out of the way, and find a good place to park. Okay, so are we going with skis or snowshoes here? Definitely snowshoes. Uh, there's no established trail. You're going over steep terrain, and unless you're really good at backcountry skiing, I, I'm not going to recommend it. If I tried, you know, and I'm fine at backcountry skiing, I mean, I'm pretty sure I would slide into the river. Not sure if I'd die from cold or drowning first, but it would be one of the two. Yeah, there's definitely a lot more exposure here than some of the others. For sure. On this podcast is our solemn duty to declare a winner, usually. So in our next spot is the best of the best when it comes to winter waterfall hunting. Who's victorious here? Yes, indeed. The best of the best, the snowy waterfall that towers above all others, is Salt Creek and Diamond Creek Falls. This is an adventure that has everything you want. It's got good access, generally good snow conditions, a major adventure, and two of the most beautiful winter waterfalls you will ever find. The trip is located near Willamette Pass, southwest Eugene, on Highway 58. It begins nicely enough at Salt Creek Snow Park. There are two different options, a pretty easy kid-friendly winter waterfall and a much bigger adventure. So there are two major waterfalls here. The easier one is to reach 289-foot Salt Creek Falls, which is often known as the second tallest waterfall in Oregon. Now, that is sometimes disputed in the very political world of Oregon waterfalls. But either way, this is a monster falls dropping into this huge, deep canyon, all covered with snow and ice. Just beautiful. But that's not it. There is a more challenging waterfall to reach, and that is Diamond Creek Falls. It's a 120-footer that's a lot deeper in the backcountry. It requires about a 4.5-mile route, 
sometimes a little sketchy downhill scramble if you want to reach the base of the waterfall, but there's a nice route too. So it's just two good worlds. So what are we using here, skis or snowshoes? Well, this is finally one where you could legitimately use both. The Diamond Falls Loop is rated more difficult for skiers, meaning there's some steepness, some exposure, but, you know, it is intended for good backcountry skiers. However, snowshoeing is definitely the easier and safer option, and if you want to take your chances of getting down to the base of Diamond Falls, which is not always recommended, you are going to need snowshoes for sure. Okay, so take us through this trip a little bit. Right. So, again, you start at Salt Creek Snow Park. You turn off the highway. And as you drive down the entrance road, you hang a quick right uh, to an area that's been plowed out. And this is actually the access road that leads to Salt Creek Falls Viewpoint, which is a pretty popular place in the summer, normally filled with campers and trucks and cars. So you follow this snow-covered road to the parking lot of Salt Creek Falls, and that's about half a mile So that's the good option for kids, right? Because it's a pretty flat hike through the snow to see, you know, the big Salt Creek Falls. It's about a mile round trip. Yeah, it's a good one for kids. And often there's, you know, a good path through the snow. In some cases, you don't even need snowshoes because there's such a good packed down path. You can just, you know, hike it in boots. So that's one mile total. And if you're a smart parent, you do that and then you head back to the car and drop down farther on the snowpark road to a sledding hill. So between the snowy hike to a waterfall and the sledding, you're going to have some happily exhausted kids for sure. But for the bigger adventure, you take a different trail from Salt Creek Falls, right? Yep. So once you've admired Salt Creek Falls for a while, what you do is you follow the creek upstream to a really beautiful wooden bridge that spans the creek. It's often one of those really picturesque moments because snow is hanging off it. you got the stream rolling through. It's really cool. And that starts the Diamond Falls Loop, which takes you off into the backcountry and through the forest. I normally take the right loop. A little past the midway point, you'll have a tough choice. There is a sign for Lower Diamond Creek Falls, and in the summer, a trail goes down there. It's pretty steep. In the winter, that trip can be a lot more challenging because the snow piles up there. You kind of have to boot ski downhill. So the last time I was there, I just abandoned that trip. I didn't do it because I sunk in about chest deep into the powder. Probably good to know your limits at that point. Yeah, for sure. But there are times when the snow is more packed down. There's a good established trail. You still have to cross a really sketchy bridge um, that does not have a hand railing on it. So it's basically like a snow and ice tightrope, which when you have snowshoes on can be a little challenging. And if you fall off, you are falling into a freezing cold rushing creek. Again, people do it for sure. You know, maybe in the springtime when there's a little bit less snow, but you're taking your chances down there. And the thing is, you don't have to. There's a perfectly fine viewpoint at the top on the main route where you get a really good view of Diamond Creek Falls. Perfectly fine to do it that way too. So you can be more adventurous if you want to, uh, or you could just (laughs) be a rational human and enjoy the viewpoint. So anything else to know about our top pick? Well, Salt Creek Falls is at 4,000 feet. Diamond Falls is a little higher. So the snow conditions are pretty good here year round. That's a big plus. Also just up the road is Willamette Pass Ski Area and a lot of other snow parks. So it's close to a lot of other fun winter recreation trips. If you're interested in those, we've covered both of them pretty extensively in our podcast on winter recreation on Saniam and Willamette Pass. Come for the history of Hoodoo Skiria. Stay for the talk of the three-sided snow shelter that will hopefully keep you safe from Bigfoot. You can find those again at statesmanjournal.com slash explore. Any other places you want to mention before we sign off? 
Yeah, we did not talk about the Mount Hood area, and there are two snowy waterfalls worth considering. The best one, and there's a good chance I'm going to screw up this pronunciation, is Tamawanis Falls. It's another summer hike that becomes a great snowshoe trip in the winter, located right between Mount Hood and Hood River off Highway 35. Another one, although the waterfall isn't quite as beautiful as some of them, is found at Mount Hood Meadows Nordic Ski Trails. So you can actually ski their established, you know, groomed trails and head uphill to find uh, another Saheli Falls. The magic of winter waterfalls is that there are thousands more in the backcountry. The ones we focused on here are the ones you can reach off established plowed roads. But if you're up for serious backcountry adventure and you can find a place to park, there's no end to the amount of really cool winter waterfalls that you can find. All right, well, that's about all the time we have left in today's show. If you liked what you've heard, check out our catalog of more than 60 episodes featuring Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places at statesmanjournal.com explore, along with Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. We'd once again like to thank our sponsors, beginning with the American Forest Resources Council. AFRC supports responsible forestry on public lands throughout the Pacific Northwest for our environment, for our economy, and for the future. Learn more at amforest.org. We'd also like to thank Visit Tillamook Coast. If you want to plan a trip out there, you can check out their outdoor recreation map that shows all the places to hike, swim, boat, and camp. You can find that map at tillamookcoast.com recreation hyphen map. Once again, that's tillamookcoast.com recreation hyphen map. And thanks to the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department, which stresses the importance of recreating responsibly and leaving no trace in Oregon's outdoors. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time for the next edition of the Explore Oregon podcast.